Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sarah, you're going to be so proud of me. I've started going to the gym. Have you really? Serena, I am very impressed. Please, can you give me some tips? Because I've been finding it so hard to get up in the morning if I'm not teaching, especially now it's really cold and dark outside. I just want to stay in bed. My sneaky little secret is that I treated myself to some sweaty Betty power leggings. Have you tried them yet? Do you know what? I actually have. I've been wearing them for my yoga practice and I have to say they have been making me feel bloody great. They're high-waisted, so everything is just really tucked in. And if you're really supported by them, I could not recommend them enough. They're amazing, aren't they? They feel literally like a second skin. So I just jump out of bed, slip straight into them, and pop off to the gym feeling super confident and comfy. Sweaty Betty are kindly letting Kitchen Club listeners in on my early morning secret and offering you 20% off to spend online. All you have to do is simply enter the code Kitchen Club at the checkout and we can all try and motivate each other on these darker mornings with the help of our Sweaty Betty clothes. Thank you so much, Sweaty Betty. Thanks, Sweaty Betty. And see you all in the gym in your power legs. Welcome to Kitchen Club with your hosts, Sarah Malcolm and Serena Lau. This is Kitchen Club, the podcast that brings you honest, topical conversations, all from our kitchen table without any boundaries. Each week, we have a new guest, a new area of expertise for us to dive a little deeper into, and a new recipe, which is based on our guest's three favorite ingredients. Ahead of recording each podcast, we get our guests to challenge us to their healthy habits. And this is something that they use every day to help keep them feeling balanced, grounded, happy and healthy. And we trial and test it so we can let you know how we got on. In this episode, we speak to Jack Norman. Jack is the co-founder of Milk for Tea, whose mission is to not just keep men alive, but to help them to thrive. They create space to both raise awareness of the challenges men are facing and to journey alongside them, supporting all men to do the work that's necessary to develop and grow. We talk to Jack about the work that Milk for Tea do and how masculinity is perceived today and also how men can benefit from finding community and connection in this mad modern world. 
We had such a great time chatting with Jack. It was just a shame that his co-founder Daniel couldn't make it so we could have the whole milk tea team together. His ingredients that we cooked him dinner with were carrots, parmesan, and tomatoes. If you keep listening, he'll tell you why he particularly likes each of those things. His healthy habit was a very easy one for us, as you were about to find out. We also just want to say before we head into this podcast, a massive, massive thank you for all of the lovely support so far around Kitchen Club. We have loved seeing you make the recipes and love seeing you all listen to us. It's it's pretty mad that you're all listening. So thank you so much. And please keep rating and subscribing and leaving us lovely reviews as it keeps us doing what we're doing. And we're absolutely loving it, aren't we, Serena? We are indeed. So if you want the recipe and to keep up to date with us, follow us on Instagram at Kitchen Club Podcast. Now back to this week's episode, bringing you our first ever male guest on Kitchen Club, welcoming the truly inspiring Jack Norman. Hi, Jack. Welcome to Kitchen Club. Thank you for having me. Nice to be here. Just had a lovely meal as well. <laughs> you did have a lovely meal. Well, um, we yeah, we just sat down for dinner and the dish we had was based on Jack's three favourite ingredients, which were... <laughs> the gotcha. big reveal. <laughs> it took me so long to kind of decide, but they were carrots, tomatoes and parmesan. Mm. Yeah. And Serena, what did Serena cook tonight? What did you make, Serena? Because it is cold and dark, we had a veggie crumble with carrots, leeks, butter beans in like a creamy, mustardy, cheesy sauce with a thyme and almond parmesan crumble on top with some roasted cherry tomatoes and spinach. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Talk us through your ingredients, Jack. Yeah, so all of them have a story. Uh, yeah, I, thought, I thought I might as well pull out the story. So um, the first ones were carrots. So when I was a kid, um, I used to sit in the high ch- in my high chair and all I would eat is carrots. So I'd literally hold my hands out and do like that. I told you we needed the video, but do like, <laughs> do like that. Um, and all I would eat is like mushed carrots, like literally. M- mushed carrots. Yeah, so like my grandma still does like the best carrots ever. Um, and like just something about them made me fall in love with them. I don't even know. I've like tried to copy her so many times. How I don't does she know. do that? Just like steams them with a little bit of butter at the end, but it just doesn't taste the same. Grandma's t- carrots. Aspect. Yeah, grandma's carrots. <laughs> um, so the second one is tomatoes. Um, and so I'm like building up. That's the best story. The second best story is tomatoes. And I actually really didn't like tomatoes up until May this year. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I would like avoid them, avoid raw, literally av- like wouldn't, would only eat them in like spaghetti bolognese. Uh, went to Jordan and, um, the guy that we were staying with, he was like cooking us breakfast every day, which is amazing. Like Airbnb that cooks. Like, and he like put these tomatoes on one day and I was like, Oh my God, I can't really turn it down. I can't say no. And like, they were most, the most delicious things ever. So I was like, Ever, ever since I came back, I always have tomatoes in. I pretty much cook with them all the time. How did he do them? What what made them so special? So he did this thing where he like, so they were just like normal um, plum tomatoes. He did it with like some fresh thyme, maybe some basil and like roasted them really like high on the stove and then reduced it. So there was like glue, it was like gloopy Ooh, when like yeah. toast and like yogurt. Oh, like yeah, pitters, like everything. That sounds yeah. incredible. What's that? There is a... What's that dish called? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. It sounds good though. No. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think it's traditional to like the that, Middle East. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because they like is some of the markets there are insane. Like some of the produce that they have, and like just it's all like fresh, natural, yeah. like really great. Because um, um, yeah, Turkish eggs is like eggs and yogurt and roasted yeah. tomato yeah. type vibe, isn't it? Yeah, you like crack the egg. In. Is that what it's called? I think Turkish scram- tomato-y scrambled eggs from Turkey called menemen mm. or something like that. Mm. Breakfast food. Mm. Breakfast yeah. food. So, so now you've been putting them in, in, in everything. Yes, yeah, so I've been cooking a lot of stuff with them in um, and like looking at new recipes. So my go-to is like Bon Appetit for recipes. Oh, yeah. So um, I always just like typing tomatoes. What can I do with them? <laughs> um, but yeah, just trying to broaden my reach with anything and include tomatoes in it as well do you like them raw as well now it's a lot of tomato chat but i need it to know it's a lot of tomato chat um say 50 percent. okay so like cherry tomatoes yeah we're still getting there with other tomatoes yeah like bigger tomatoes so the bigger the bigger ones, the bigger ones. so i have to like build up to it <laughs> and parmesan i literally have it on everything <laughs> So it's like not a great story, but it's still a story. Yeah, I have it on everything, like from eggs to, I don't know, like pasta to uh, literally. I would always, I always have like a block of parmesan in the fridge, and I always buy like really good. So I think like the most I spent on parmesan is like fifteen pounds. Yeah, sorry, Dad, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, like I your dad's definitely to, listening. <laughs> yeah, 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 he is. Um, yeah, I really go to town on it and like have it on a lot of things. So. Wow. Had to include it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just in um, France and my, my best friend's Italian. She also always has Parmesan in her life. Yeah. And we went to a supermarket and there was no Parmesan. There were like, there was every other cheese. So we got pretty much every other cheese when we were there, but no Parmesan. I'd she was so heartbroken. Yeah, you would have been. <laughs> Damn. Imagine that. So how did the, how did Serena's dish bring to life your ingredients? You know what? I wasn't expecting, I didn't know what, to expect and I was actually speaking to my mate and I was like these are the three ingredients I gave I don't know what is going to happen so yeah it was amazing it's definitely like giving me some inspiration on how to (laughs) use different like because that combination is just like "Mm, maybe not but yeah it was great so thank you appreciate it worked very well fed thank you very much (laughs) and you you're a big fan of cooking aren't you yeah yeah so um when I was 17 16 17 my first ever job was in a kitchen uh well I say first ever job first ever proper job I was a football coach for like young kids but that was like cash in hand you know like I wasn't really on like you know the the legality side of it um so my first ever job was in a kitchen and I said to them I'm not pot washing like I'm just not doing it (laughs) like I did it a few times but no I'm not doing it so I went on um like cold plates to start off with and then transition to actually like when I was in my gap year, worked there full time for a bit and was like running the hot plate for a long time, was always really conscious about um, how the food looked and how it was plated up. And then it set me up really well for when I went to uni and I was cooking for everyone and then just kind of, uh, I lost it. I lost it a little bit probably last year, didn't cook as much and um, used to eat out a lot because I was dating a foodie. So we'd go and try all these like new upcoming restaurants or whatever. But then um, found a love for it again this year. Actually, my a guy that I know that lives opposite me, he's like amazing at like Asian inspired dishes. Mm. So I went to his for dinner once and he he like blew my mind. And I was like, okay, I'm cooking now. So <laughs> I oh, so even no matter how busy I am, I always assign an hour to cook a day. Yeah, which was your healthy habit. It was, yeah. So we normally 
trial and test people's healthy habits so we can chat about how we got on. But I think that's something that Sarah and I probably already yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm with you, like it's it's a really important part of my day. I find it very relaxing and stuff. So maybe you could tell us why you dedicate so much time to it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I have a couple, um, but I think that's probably the most regular one. I think it just allows me to really switch off and not think about anything else except from that. Um, I've been really working on living in the moment quite a lot and I think that really allows me to live in the moment because I'm just like there um I also think that sometimes it can go really wrong <laughs> like I was cooking a ramen for my friend last night and the first egg that came out and I was like definitely undercooked that and then it just like split everywhere so it can go wrong it can go right um I think there's always things that you can improve on and always allow yourself to like be open to that improvement like nothing's ever going to be perfect so yeah I just I, I I don't know it's something that really energizes me um and i also gets to explore new things and taste different things and you know i think there's a lot of energy that's created around food um there's loads of things that we want to do with food and there's loads of amazing conversations that we've had over food so i think it's just one of those things that is like pivotal to life yeah hence why food is important part of this podcast exactly we're talking about it and it gets us chatting (laughs) yeah exactly so you're one of those people that live to eat not eat to live yeah I mean I I think I've gone through phases of when I've just kind of you know stuck a pizza in the oven but I would never do that anymore so I think it it depends on your lifestyle also I think it depends on your priorities and like if if that is your priority and then you have to maybe not prioritize something else and like get that routine going so you aren't prioritizing that other thing then that's fine but it's what's important to you I guess and that's Mm. hugely important to me um like even when my dad doesn't live in South uh, live in London but my sister does, and we come together most weekends. And they're like, okay, so what are we going to do? And I was like, I'll cook. Like, it's cool. Like, me and my dad actually cook together on the weekend. And, like, he's, like, now taking culinary lessons because he's been inspired by me cooking. So it's quite nice to, like, see that, like, what it can actually do to people and the energy that it can bring. So, yeah. 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 That was, like, a long no, <laughs> explanation. Awesome. So you and your, do we call him your business partner, Daniel? Yeah. Well, I'd say... But, mm, I was going to say partner, but that's yeah. not right, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you and your business partner, Daniel, run this wonderful initiative called Milk for Tea. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that, please? Sure. I'll try and be uh, short and sweet. So, Don't be. Oh. <laughs> um, so... Milford Tea is a men's wellbeing and personal development organisation. So it doesn't just focus on mental health anymore. Like we focus on a lot of different things from wanting to achieve a goal or if you are feeling suicidal, we can also offer that support um, that really helps men live in the fullness of their potential. So over the last three years, we have been on a journey um, and we've come to a place where we're now working alongside men to firstly help them heal, but then also allow them to grow. Um, A lot of things or a lot of problems that we see within the male community is that they don't have healthy community. So we're trying to help them build that and um, find that camaraderie between men and, but also allow them to be vulnerable, allow them to share. Um, I mean, everyone goes through something, everyone has their own story. And I think men have been put on this pedestal to be strong, to be masculine, to be the breadwinners to you know own the household and like men aren't like that anymore like men you know the way that society is now like men want to be vulnerable men want to cry and so uh, yeah we've created um our own workshop series called modern masculinity we're actually moving transitioning more into 
um, creating a much broader range of workshops uh, based on skills um, and based on general well-being. So we run a variety of different things. Like we've just done uh, sexual consent workshops for freshers at a university, but then we do do like the main masculinity stuff. We've held men's circles. So that like there's a broad range of things. And I think for us, um, mental health is something that's starting to be on a lot of people's agendas. So it's how do we continue to be um, innovative to create new things for that. So we just shot a documentary. I'm starting to write a book, which is like a daunting task, but you know, I've just felt like that's my calling to do at the moment and that I have a voice that I want to talk about through that. So yeah, I guess for us, it's just, yeah, trying to do the best that we can for for men, but then also women are really involved in the conversation. Other community groups are, and it's all about how we progress that state of masculinity now. When you know the suicide rate, seventy five percent of suicides in the UK are men, which equivalents to eighty two a week. So, like, that's you know, there's mad. eleven today. <laughs> like, just in in statistical terms, that's what we're looking at, and I think. Uh, it's getting better but people still don't think it's a real thing until it happens to them to someone in their family so um yeah we're just trying to make the world a better place by helping men to heal uh and then grow and you know actually probably 90 percent of the supporters of milk for tea are women because they Mm -hmm. understand they Mm -hmm. understand like the need for it um yeah it's so that's kind of milk for tea and two minutes <laughs> yeah and how did you come to start it like what what brought all of this to your attention and and kind of how did you and Daniel yeah start on this journey of it all yeah so it's quite quite a random meeting so we we're both working for a fashion company both invited to like their summer conference he was living in Bristol as he does now I was living in London it was my first year in London just um out of law school didn't really know what I wanted to do so I was like working in fashion because like I wanted to be suited and booted every day <laughs> you know and um so we're both modeling in, in like their fashion shows like an internal fashion show and um sometimes those things can be like really awkward and we just like got chatting outside when we were waiting around because there was a long wait and um he said to me uh, like we were just chatting he's like when I was 13, I wanted to kill myself. I tried to kill myself. What do you think about that? And I was like, well, no one's ever said that to me. Didn't even think it was a real, it wasn't even on my agenda. Um, there was a couple of things that happened to me personally, like the year before with my parents' um, relationship breaking down and whatever, and seeing how that can have an effect on a variety of men within someone's life. Um, you know, it's, it could be really challenging, but never to the point where, Someone when they're 13 has tried mm. to kill themselves. So we continued this discussion and I was like, what caused it? And he was like, you know, I just don't trust men. I just, you know, like we need to look after each other. We don't need to bully each other and put each other down. And so I was like, well, we should do something. And he was like, oh, I'm in talks with a prince's trust. So um, I am doing something. So I was like, oh, okay, mate. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I was like knocking on the door. So I knocked on the door for about a year on Facebook. We just kind of like kept in touch. Um, and then I finally got the call up one day and he was like, look, I want you to come on as star editor. Um, because we didn't really know like what it was. Um, we just knew that we wanted to do something. So he started off blogging and then it kind of, cause we were both in the fashion scene. We thought, oh, we're going, um, go to like LCM and when it was LCM and like speak to like all these cool suited and booted guys and like chat to them about fashion, but then speak about mental health. So that that's where I kind of came in with the fashion background. Um, and then we like had this uh, breakthrough last year, just sat 
sat down, we were like chatting and I was just like, Dan was like, I'm just about to go on a coaching course. And I was like, I'd really like to go on that coaching course. He was like, I think it's going to do really great things to us. Obviously it was life changing, use it every single day and build all of our workshops off the back of it. But we were like, we need to do more. So then we decided that that would be like our next, um, avenue and it's been, it's served us really really well say we've done in the last year and a half probably 150 workshops wow, wow. um yeah last year was a complete slog like really really tough I remember getting up at 3am to go and catch a bus a bus to um <laughs> yeah, I had to say that twice uh, a bus to Exeter to do an hour workshop and then come home oh but God. we did it because we wanted to get ourselves out there and we are really relatively new um within that field but then you know some of the coverage that we've had and some of the organizations that we've worked with we've built up that credibility that now we're in that phase where if a organization comes to us we're actually we actually can progress that conversation not be challenging but progress it like why do you just want to do one workshop let's give you six and let's see what benefit we can actually really add because that's what we're all about not because we want to make money like we need to live but not because we want to make money because we want to have the biggest impact that we can um so yeah that's kind of where we're at and then obviously working on a lot of other different initiatives and projects to kind of bring that to life we want to launch a book club supper club like a, a, i want to by the end of the year my goal is to do like an all women's supper club um and then like the the concept that we have is like so you have a bowl in the middle of the table with leading like leading statements basically and you pick that up and you would either read it out and answer it yourself or read it out and someone else would answer it so just like really powerful statements Mm. and stuff so there's loads of stuff that we want to do it's just obviously finding time fitting it in um making sure that we execute in the right way um but yeah loads loads of exciting stuff You've got some really scary statistics on your website. So I'm going to have to read them so I get them right. Yeah, that's fine. Suicide remains the number one leading cause of death for men under 45 in the UK. One in five women have been sexually assaulted and more than one in five LGBTQ plus members living in the UK are being verbally or physically attacked due to their sexual orientation. Yeah. So these are presumably the driving force behind like the change that you guys want to make. Mm-hmm. Sarah and I had been wondering about the one in five women have been sexually assaulted. Mm. But now that you've talked about doing sexual consent workshops at uni, I'm guessing Mm. that's linked. Yeah, yeah. Um, So the university actually approached us about um, doing it and we were like, why why are they approaching us? Like, that's not a specialist area for us at all. Um, And then we got into a discussion with them. They were like, look, the people that we've looked at to deliver sexual consent workshops are like, you know 50 year old men who are just going to stand there so and they were like we just want you to bring your charisma like when dan was talking about sexual consent um on on the back of one of the statistics he said look someone can't buy you a cheeky nando's and then expect sex from you like that is how (laughs) that is how it was delivered because it's you know freshers university students but like when we were researching that there was some crazy crazy statistics um just like like and if we're going to go back next year and like do the whole program for them but even stuff like stalking um like rape is obviously very underreported sexual assault is underreported because the fear factor harassment is underreported like the and the reason why we focus on them because the because a man is the main perpetrator within that mm. um unfortunately and like i believe men are acting like that because of the way that they feel about themselves it's a direct reflection of how they feel on the inside and that's how they basically regress all all of what they're feeling um externally so if we can start talking about that 
conversation start making you know obviously like you're we presented to over 6,000 students over 11 workshops so it's not going to go into everyone but you know we had a a because we started on the Sunday and did it through to the Thursday on the Monday um one of the welfare coordinators for the university came up to us and he was like so I was called to a flat last night I was like okay he was like yeah the girl said no because of your workshop uh and I was like oh wow and it's just like so some so people are actually listening yeah. and people, so it's it's just really interesting and obviously it's really eye-opening for us because to see like some of the statistics where it's like 60 percent of um uni- women women uh university aged at university have been harassed in their campus at some point like mm. that's a big figure mm-hmm. yeah. and like when i'm standing up there i'm like guys this isn't to scare you it's just to make you realize that this happens and like, this is actually what happens um and what so what we love most about um that university in particular is that they offer so much support and actually even getting us in and it's not just like for one and then we go away like I'm doing then I'm doing something for the guys um at the end of this month where I'm going to a football club and doing a stadium tour with them and then talking doing a talk about identity so it's like you know everything's kind of like linked and I think we've kind of struck gold that we're able to facilitate in the way that we do just because we love it so much. Um, So even if you took our business model and tried to run with it, it'd be very different because Mm. it's just kind of the way we are. So I say it's fortunate and unfortunate because we're the talent, but that's kind of the way it goes, I guess. And it's important to, to create space, as you're saying, equally for men and women and to sort of educate Mm everyone on this women are hugely vital to the conversation so when we were in jordan um we did the first ever all men's circle and that was hugely interesting just to see like the experiences of of the jordanian men and um, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what a women's circle is yeah just sort of explain yeah sure that yeah <laughs> so everyone sits in a circle yeah uh, <laughs> for the first, but yeah it's more that um you have a facilitated space so it's like a workshop but a lot more intimate a lot a lot deeper i would say um yeah so the facil- facilitated guides people through that everyone's allowed to share um so we basically just did a milk for tea workshop but they're more in the mode of doing circles out there so we phrased it as a circle right. so we had about 20 21 guys there which was a great turnout um so then what we decided to do was um hold an all women's circle to allow them to share um and men were invited but they could only observe so they had oh. to hold the space so you didn't do anything just held there listened and then what we decided to do for the last 10 minutes of the session is we brought the guys in the middle the women sat around the edge. And um, so my opening question was, so guys, how are we feeling? And one guy just went, <sighs> because they don't, they don't, they don't hear these things. They don't hear about rape. They don't hear about domestic abuse. They don't hear about how women are treated, like walking down the road, wolf whistling, cat calling. Like they don't hear about that stuff. Um, so then like a big conversation for us is like, what are you doing as an individual, as a man, even if you're not cat calling someone or wolf whistling, what are you doing to hold the people around you accountable? So when you hear it, or when you like hear someone say, oh my God, I would love to do whatever to that girl. Are you going, bro, that's not cool actually. Mm and Dan so there's a lot of things that Dan and I um like practice what we preach and that is the thing that we will so if he there I remember he always uses this example but we were on a call once and he said something and I said bro can't say that and it was just us two on the call but I was like bro you can't say that 
And like, I didn't even think about me saying, bro, you can't say that, but he, and he uses that as an example all the time. So I think there's, you know, when there's things like, you know, suicide rates and all these statistics, what people want to do is point fingers. Whereas actually like, okay, what are you, what are you doing? Like, how can I open your mind and like make you think about it? So I think we're, we're hugely lucky to be involved, involved and really passionate about things like this because then we can take some accountability and hold it. So like my mate, uh, that I was out with a couple of weeks ago, like he said something and I was like, bro, you can't say that. And he's like, what are you on about? And I was like, you can't say it. Yeah. And we yeah. kind of had to go through that thing where it was a little bit of conflict, but it's actually like, you can't say that. Mm. Like, I, I'm not, I'm actually, I'm your, I'm your mate. I'll come out and I'll have a beer with you or, you know, I'll go and do whatever you want, but please don't talk about women like that. Cause I don't really feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, and do you think that it, do you think that stems from like an insecurity place, a place of insecurity for, for men? that they feel like they need to be talking in that sort of way to one another to be mm. like this ideal ideal man or this idea of masculinity and and like macho yeah i think there's i think some of it there's some of that there's i think so um like if you look at for years and years like what society has told us that men are higher than women men hold the majority of power in most um you know jobs or organizations um i think there is some of that where it's like looking like the macho man it's it's funny because um i speak to my uh like some of my friends about it because one of my friends called me niche the other day and i was like okay that's not really a compliment but i'll take it (laughs) so i was like i was like going to them and i was like sometimes you know like the world that we're living in it's actually really tough to be quite sensitive and quite Mm. open and quite challenging towards these things and respectable because some girls just want this douchebag guy like that's so it's like really interesting to navigate through that but then is that them thinking they've been conditioned in that way it is conditioning like look at what the media tells you like look at the role models that we're looking at like what uh actors Mm -hmm. um you know porn stars like that's kind of who we look at has has there ever been a guy can you imagine (laughs) (laughs) no but men some men do yeah that's what they look at and they're like okay well this is like what i'm meant to be doing and um have you ever seen a guy on like men's health that hasn't got an eight pack like look at all of kind of like the conditioning that we're told through um like social media uh, social media like all this thing like reality tv programs like every single person on love island has got a six pack Mm -hmm. and is muscular and is this kind of like douchebag guy and like even like talk about i don't really watch love island after the suicides that have happened but look look Mm -hmm. at what happened with mike like he's a sensitive guy and he committed suicide because of this you know this picture this pigeonhole that people put him in and it's like that can have a real impact on people's lives yeah um so yeah i think i think there is some stuff that women can help progress the conversation but ultimately like there's a man and as a man you need to own it and you need to take some accountability and go okay like these are like i've had to change a lot like even with my dad like you know, he's a single guy, he's 54. Like, sometimes I'm like, bro, you can't say that. Like, yeah. that's not... And he's fine with it now, like, but at the start, there was a little bit of conflict or he was like, what, what are you on about? And it's like, we need to take some accountability because if you're saying that's okay, then your mate's thinking it's all right. And then, like, if I wasn't, like, how I am, then I would think it's all right. And then my children would and their friends would, you know, and it's like yeah, a spiral effect. Yeah, it goes effect. on and on. I was going to say that, what you thought about it being a generational thing and... And yeah, it's quite challenging for the people that raised you mm. to come at it in such a different way when that's all they've ever known. Yeah. 
You know what? It's it's been really interesting, uh, like having milk for tea um, in the in my family. Um, my mum just doesn't really understand it still. Uh, my dad's like super progressive. He, you know, he's really into like spirituality and stuff. So that's great. He gets it. You know, he's a huge supporter. And then actually, my um, my uncle like had a bit of a, a meltdown last year, and. Um, so then my granddad was like, oh, well, I thought of, you know, I thought of calling you because, you know, he had a, and he's on like a lot of different medication now. But even like recently I've been speaking to him and he's like, I just don't get it. I just don't get how people are depressed. So I think, you know, when you're con- like, I always say it like this, it's like um, when my grandparents were growing up to have a roof over their head mm. and to have food on the table was the main thing for them. Yeah. yeah, that was like the number one priority. Now we have so many different things. We live in such a consumer driven world. Like, have you ever really thought about being like, feeling privileged to have a roof over mm. your head or have a have a meal on the table so we live in a very different world but I think what's so interesting about the mental health space is that I think we're like in a transitional era um or transitional generation so I think it's going to be really good for the next generation to an extent as long as like this whole social media thing kind of backs off a little bit and we kind of use it more for a, a positive use rather than kind of creating these lifestyles and stuff so I think there is certainly a generational thing, but I think also if you can flick flick the switch for someone, then yeah. actually, like if you think about the suicide rates in men, the most densely populated age range is 40 to 45. Wow. And that's the smallest age range. Mm-hmm. And that's because like, if you think about all the things that were going on in like 70s, 80s that were okay, like domestic abuse, child yeah. abuse, all this stuff, they've held all of that down and then when they get to 45 they have a bit of a midlife crisis and it all explodes yeah like dan talks about his dad having a midlife crisis and he went and bought a sports car would buy like 10 different hats you know all this stuff and it's like people deal with it in different ways but still like that's that's a thing because of how you were potentially treated or things that you know like bullying at school you probably would have gone oh well it's just you know my kid like kids and stuff and then you never really kind of like have been in an environment where you're allowed to work that out and pull that out until now. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we are in a privileged generation to be able to dig deeper into all all of this and to have social media for its, its bad points. But a lot of it now is because it's bringing all this stuff to light, which is incredible. Mm. Um, But I do, I, I personally think, the work that is done online needs to be done offline times a thousand. Yeah. And I think men's circles, like that is just brilliant because mm. women's circles is such a, I mean, it's a, quite a thing at the moment. Mm. Um, but until I met you, Jack, I'd never heard the mm. term men's circles. And growing up, women had space to talk to one another, to Mm. sit and, you know, have a cup of tea and you'd all sit and talk about your feelings and even, yeah, just sharing space with one another in a way that men haven't really had that. I mean, you go to the pub for a drink or Mm. you play a sport or something like that. And that's the sort of gender swap kind of thing. So Mm. yeah, I think it's incredible that Mm. men's circles that you're sort of holding space for that Mm. and do you is that something you want to push a little bit more yes I just going back to your point like I think you know like about online and offline because I was speaking on it about on another podcast actually and the guy was like oh yeah I never really thought about it like that but like what we're in an age now or in like kind of if you look at like the 
uprise of mental health being on people's agenda like all this talk of mental health is a thing and suicide is a thing and all this like recognition work work that it is a real thing but where like what what happens with that when people like need some support and there isn't any because you're you're not offering support you're just offering that recognition work so uh, another stat that isn't on our website, but um, there's actually been a spike in suicides this year. So, and that's from 2018 because they report two years later, but there's actually been a spike. And one of the reasons is because there's uh, more accuracy of data. But the second mm-hmm. thing is actually because more people are aware that it's a thing and yeah. that people commit suicide. So they're going to commit suicide more. Mm-hmm. Like, so where is, you know, like, um, Prince Harry and William have heads together, which is just, you know, raises uh, awareness and they sometimes sponsor some football games. But okay, so where's, and this isn't a criticism, but like, and this is why I think there's more of a need for what we're doing. It's like, where is the support for these guys? Mm -hmm. People don't just want to talk to a helpline anymore. So I get so frustrated in the organisation that I work in because we have these situations and they're like, we have an employee assistance program. You can call the helpline. I was like, but they don't want to call the helpline. Yeah. They you don't want community. to do that. You need, you need yeah. community. You need somewhere to go. You need somewhere to feel safe. So to your question, yeah, like we would love to be doing it all the time. Like whenever we're like consulting with businesses, like we want to do all men's stuff. Um, there is a huge need as well for like all gender Mm. general well-being stuff as well so I mean it's huge it's really really huge even working with like an organization that has you know 6,000 freshers like they have probably 28,000 um students like imagine all of that stuff that you go through I was actually speaking to my boss about at work yesterday and she was like we need to do something like that in here because think about like the students that we have think about like the um people that have moved to London for the first time they've got not got any money mm-hmm. they're living in basically a shed their family aren't in London they might not even their family might not even be in the country what are we going to do for them for Christmas like people have their own thing going on and it's like how can you create these things to really support them and allow them to be free and allow them to express what they're feeling and then also have something to take away from it yeah um so yeah there's a lot of still a lot of work to do yeah so thinking about men lacking can connection and community apart from reaching out to milk for tea what would you suggest to someone who feels like they're in mm. that place and as you say they don't want to call a helpline yeah but they're not comfortable enough with their mates to reach out to them and be like you know what I'm not feeling good mm. where's a good place for them to start yeah well I like I think you one of the main things uh well there's a couple of things that we always talk about and I it's not like I get bored of saying them but it's like we continuously repeat them I think one thing is like I think the foundation of everything is finding your identity so if you're unhappy then there's obviously parts of your life that you may be really unhappy about but what what is truest to you I read this book recently and it was like um rate your like a simple bit of advice is rate your day out of 10 okay so even if it's a four what attributed to that four find those things that are you know like that could be considered as journalism journaling but I just write down so like my hour of cooking takes me even if I've had the worst day takes me from a four to an eight Mm -hmm. you know it's that so I think finding those vices finding those things that um are really good for you, like healthy coping mechanisms. So, you know, a lot of people turn to drugs, sex, pornography, 
alcohol, all this stuff is, and they're just like filling that emotional void. Whereas actually find those things that really fulfill you and get you out of that. Um, so identity is really, really key for me. Um, find help, like building healthy community. Uh, even if it's just one person that you can call, uh, like Dan will, Dan will call me sometimes and he'll just say, tell me something great about me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, so I do. And then I'm like, so how's your day been? He's like really rough. And I'm like, Okay, so like, let's talk about it. Um, I think sometimes, you know, when these things come, like you get a bill through the door or, you know, like something unexpected happens or someone in your family falls ill, you're like, the world is crushing in. Okay, well, talk, like talk about it because it, it's not going to do any any good being held inside. Like get it out. Then, you know, I, I read a book that was amazing recently called Time to Think. It's all about creating thinking environments. So actually just letting someone completely blurt something out staying quiet not saying anything letting them go again usually the solution is always within and actually you giving them you offering them a solution um they won't be emotionally connected to it they won't be invested in it then you get invested in it and then you get frustrated so you know we that's another thing that we base all of our workshops on is like self-driven um so you can emotionally connect to it and you can emotionally like get there and and find your your way of navigating through it because someone that's depressed or someone that's you know feeling suicidal their solution is going to be very different to the person sat next to them or the person sat opposite them so you need to like people this is the thing people are really scared to do the work but the work will get you out of that like i can't tell you how much i've grown this year from just doing that like you know i was i was i've I've never really like suffered hugely from mental health issues touchwood but there's you know there's been times where i've felt really rough or i've had a breakup and i've not felt great off the back of that and i felt like i hadn't had my identity but it's going through that whole process and growing from it then actually going okay, like I'm a very different person to what I was a year ago. I'm a very different person to what I was six months ago. What do I attribute that to? And then it's all right saying, I'm going to do this. Go and execute it. Like go and do it. Like yeah. go and cook for an hour if you're going to say you're going to go and cook for an hour. Go for a run twice a week if you're going to go and do that. Um, another thing that I find works really well is writing it down. Uh, so apparently you're 60% more likely to do something if it's written down. Mm, yeah, that's a good fact for you. Yeah. it's a good fact for you. I write a lot of stuff down. It's going to happen for you then. It's going to happen. Yeah. Even my... I write my to-do list down and don't get through it. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to do it though, Serena. Yeah, Yeah, you are. It's written down, so you're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Jack, what do you think, um, as women, we can do to support Mm. the men in our lives and people that we come across? Yeah, I mean, as I said before, I think women are really pivotal to to the, to progressing that conversation. I suppose, you know, there there has been a huge rise in the feminist movement, but and I think that's a huge thing. And I would say that we're, you know, where we support the feminist movement hugely. Um, but I think when when things like this happen, kind of men feel a little bit begrudged and like there's a pot of it's like a pot of gold, yeah. and now seventy percent has been attributed to the feminist movement. So now men only get thirty. It's an unlimited pot. Yeah. It's just energy, you know, and it's just passion. So, um, yeah, I think I think also allowing men to be in these spaces and create that. And because, like I said before, sometimes what I've experienced is women go after these certain types of men. And I'm just like, you know, you're you're actually like 
making them worse. Like you're actually facilitating them to be worse because you're um, saying their behaviour is fine when they slap you on the ass in public and or like, you know, so I think just really supporting men and understanding that everyone some part of them is hurt and mm. that they need to grow from it. Coming to our workshops and progressing that conversation, sharing your experiences, um, holding those spaces. Uh, yeah, and I, I think women are really, really, really important to us. Um, we're so thankful. Like, I wouldn't be sat here today without women. Like, yeah. you know, even Katie's been amazing. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I think, and fully understanding what we're trying to achieve because it's not like a cult or whatever which we've been called before which is interesting as well because it's like your perception is great let's go back and do some work on it because that's not how we want to be perceived but yeah I I think just really like supporting us creating opportunities so then we are allowed to do this on a bigger scale like we both still work full time we both are doing who's been perceiving you like that um who was it like not not um, any pointing any fingers but as a gender or we were, I think we were working with someone they were like they looked on our website I've actually removed it because we had an illustrator do some of our graphic work yeah um because my skills on powerpoint are very limited um well no sorry on uh, photoshop but anyway um so she did that and she just like created some like line drawings if you go on like the school of life they've got like line drawings that basically represent all their workshops I think we still have some of them on there but um yeah there was some around the values and it just she's they said it looked like a cult and I was like okay cool like that's fine like we really don't want to be perceived like that but I also think like sometimes any gender can be threatened by what we're trying to do because it's change we don't like like as you know, as a society, as a person, we don't like a flux of change because it's hard. It's really difficult. Like we've had men that cry in our workshops. Dan's cried. I've cried. Like that's what it is because, you know, if you're emotionally connected to it and you're really invested in that growth and like there is going to be some sort of release yeah. and people release in different ways. So, so natural. Yeah. Yeah. And like, why is it not okay to cry? Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, I think just embracing all those emotions, understanding that men are actually probably more sensitive than women yeah um because it, is, it, it still blows my mind that like crying the the, the sensation of crying mm. is something that we fear like it's a human but bodily it's so cathartic it makes you yeah. feel better sometimes yeah. just to have a massive sob yeah because well, you're perceived as weak that's why yeah but this thing that weak. just happens in our body yeah, yeah. It's, it is. It blows my mind. Yeah, I yeah. love crying. Do yeah. <laughs> I haven't cried for a long time. You know. Really. No. If I can cry, if something makes me cry, I'm like, thank God. That's why I love movies and stuff because they're like they bring a little tear to your eye. Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah. And it feels nice. good. It feels it's good. Like, yeah. Like, it feels like war- I watched this. Um, Guide dog. Have you seen the guide dog? Uh... The footballing advert. No, no. <laughs> the ne- is it the, ne- the Netflix. Show? No, Netflix I haven't show. seen it. Oh, you should watch. That really? is definitely going to make you cry. I'm yeah, watch it tonight. Yeah, it's so good. So cute. Oh, there's a really nice advert where a little girl's playing football and her dad's watching, and she's like, "Dad, I've got the ball. Dad, I'm going for the goal. Dad, I got a goal." And and it's because he's got guide dog and he can't Ooh. see. Oh, it's so cute. Yeah. I can't believe I've got all the way through without asking you this. Why milk for tea? Where does the name come from? <laughs> you know what? That is the first question that everyone asks us. So you've done really well. It's been on my <laughs> mind. You've done really the whole time. well. When can I ask you? <laughs> yeah, when can I ask you? Um, it's it is a good story. Dan and I used to tell really different stories, which is so funny. But Dan came up with the name. Um, 
back it probably back in 2009 so he was born in bristol um his mum is is american his dad's british and um she got really homesick when he was like two so they moved back to um america uh and america doesn't really have a tea drinking culture Mm -hmm. at all um and they only drink tea like when they're sick and it's like black tea you know like really dirty so um he like he used to drink tea all the time and his mates would be like what the hell is going on like why are you drinking tea like now and he was like okay so i'm gonna make you a proper cup of tea so he had like you know the kettle there boiling he had a cup he had a tea bag uh sugar milk and then when he, once he got to the milk these guys were like whoa like no this is so <laughs> weird um so he's like no nah, bro you gotta have milk for tea and that's always stuck. Wrote it down in his moleskin, 2009. <laughs> um, and then when we were, like, formulating what we wanted it to be, we were like, milk for tea, sick. Yeah. And then, do you know what? I actually really love it. Like, I just think it's something that feels so warm and um, our logo's green and green's my favourite colour. Like, so I've actually just painted my desk that colour. <laughs> it's so sad. But it's so great. <laughs> I assumed it was because, like, when you feel sad, the first thing someone does is they're like, oh, I'll make you a cup of tea. So that yeah. was my thing. That was, that like, was my such story. such a nice yeah. association, isn't yeah. it? But, yeah, it works. works both ways. It, it does. And then, so, like, another thing is, like, milk and tea go together and then we were talking about style and substance. So like when we are doing the fashion age. So there was loads of different stories. I think, like, that's one of those things, isn't it? Like, once you kind of explore it a little bit further and you go through different things, it can relate to a lot of things that you've gone through. But, yeah, I love I love it. We love it. We love what we're doing. Yeah. So. And what's, what do you think the future is for Milk for Tea or, or this movement? Yeah. Um, oh, well, that movement's the wrong word for it because yeah, so, it well, should be more important than that. But I, I would still say it is a movement because um, there needs to be a huge shift. I think we we wanted some solidarity to it, so we did incorporate as a, as a company. We've It was so funny because when we were incorporated as a company, we literally couldn't get any paid work. And then at the start of the year, we changed to a not-for-profit social enterprise and now like, the work's like, coming in. <laughs> like, oh, which is I'm not complaining about either, but... Um, yeah, so what does the future hold for us? I mean, there's loads of things. Um, we want to continue this trajectory of the the growth that we're doing personally to start off with because that's a, that that will reflect greatly in um, us as an organisation. Continue to work with partnerships that we've already built, built up and then grow new partnerships. Hopefully grow, like, long-standing partnerships. You know, going into an organisation and just doing one um what well, <laughs> one workshop doesn't it just ticks a box and that's not what we're about anymore so um we've i've just built a consultancy model which hopefully we'll um start working with with a variety of different organizations i still think students are huge to the conversation but then like doing cool stuff as well like supper clubs book clubs um you know like going to into like football clubs with their like six-year-olds and doing like a little workshop while the other group are playing football like we want to do all this all these things and get to a lot of different groups and Mm. we want to do a lot more stuff with women we want to do events um we're already in talks to travel to quite a few international places next year so I guess just see where the wind takes us but can try to stay grounded with it um I'm also building a team around us, which is nice. So like people to do um, social media, PR, um, to help build workshops, then someone to do like a lot of our admin work. So it alleviates a lot of pressure from us. Um, But I love doing all that back of house, um, like scheming and, you know, because it's kind of like, yeah, you're like the engine room. And I would say Dan is probably more like the face 
Um, but like we we both understand both those roles, yeah. you know. Like I love putting important. together a deck and love presenting and whatever. But and I'll go and stand on the stage and or go and do a workshop with him. But I know that that's something that he's passionate about and he's also very good at. So yeah. why? If there's only one speaking slot, would I go when he he goes? Same with him. If there's a deck to be built, don't worry. I'm there. I'm running through it. So, yeah, and we'll just see where the wind takes us. Like, there's no pressure. Um, we always want to stay true to ourselves. Like, that's one thing that I would say we've done so well is, like, in, in a climate where you can chase money and chase investment and all this stuff, like, we haven't really been interested in it. Yeah. Um, because it's not about that, you know. Bigger picture going on. Yeah. 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 So reach as many people as we can, change people's lives, do the deeper work, like in the men's circles is something that we're really passionate about doing because sometimes you just get to surface level stuff and then it's like, you know, we could have really taken that deeper, but some people are ready, some people aren't. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like um, in the next couple of years, I want us to have our own space and yeah like a community hub that we can work out of and host our own events and yeah loads i mean yeah wow big things yeah i know our our aspirations are really small (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's always something else that comes up every week and i'm just like oh my god right okay (laughs) write it down and then it'll happen exactly Exactly. i wrote the book down and then i brainstormed on the book and now i've already written like two chapters perfect why not? It was. <laughs> yeah, why not? Jack, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you for so, having so me. much. That was so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. you're doing incredible stuff. Thank and you. I hope I hope there's lots of guys out there listening. Yeah, so um, do I. And women. I yeah. reckon that our listenership is probably 99% women. But yeah. now you've got all the kitchen club club ladies behind you. Yeah, great. Yeah, pass it on to a guy you know. <laughs> yeah. Tell them to listen, spread yeah, the word. Yeah. Your boyfriend, your dad, or your brother. Yeah. Anyone, yeah. Anyone, yeah. I mean, but also come along as well. Um, yeah. we'll be, I, I do want to do some all women's spaces, so come along. Maybe we could do a collaboration or something. Yeah, watch yeah. this space, guys. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> thank you so, so much. Thank you for thank having you me. So nice and thank you for you. dinner. Yay, yeah, it was so yummy. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thank you so much, Jack, for coming on Kitchen Club. That was, I hope you can will agree with us, that was really something special and really a conversation we all need to be having more. Regardless of gender, it's important for us all to have a space where we feel safe to share and be vulnerable. Yes, absolutely. And I think what Milk for Tea are doing is really brilliant. I particularly love the idea of things like sexual consent workshops being run by young, cool people to make it relatable to the students that they're talking to. If you yourself are struggling or if you know anyone who could benefit from having someone to talk to, then please, please do reach out to Milk for Tea. I'm sure they'll be super accommodating and Yeah, we need to get everyone opening up a little bit more and knowing that it's okay to talk about their feelings. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like the recipe from today's episode, you can find that over on Instagram at Kitchen Club Podcast. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 